sometimes when I talk to people about venture capital, they say, oh, yeah, I know what that is. You you invest in 10 things and you hope one of them works out. <laughs> and uh, right. that is not what we do. Um, we invest in if we invest in 10 things, we're going to try to make sure that they all work out. So I'm pleased today to have with us Bill Keogh. He is the chief operating officer and an operating partner of EOS Venture Partners. Welcome, Bill. Thank you. It's nice to be here. You know, we've known each other a little bit for the for the past couple of years, but uh, maybe for the benefit of the group, you could share a little bit about your very impressive background and how it led to you uh, joining EOS and the role you're in today. I started out as an underwriter uh, in my early career and, uh, you know, spent about uh, almost 15 years in underwriting and learned a lot about uh, the business. Uh, I love the people uh, in the insurance industry, so that's what really kept me in it. I was really fortunate to be exposed to one of the really early insure tech innovations, um, catastrophe risk modeling in the mid 90s. And uh, it it resonated with me so much, I I joined a company called uh, RMS. And uh, that was really the transition from being in the underwriting business to being in the uh, technology part of the business. What can you share about the the organization? And you you just mentioned point of view on the world. So Sure. Maybe a little bit about investment philosophy. Yeah, so ES Venture Partners has been around for four years. Um, we're a small team. Uh, currently, we're eight people uh, split evenly between the UK and the US. Um, we only invest in insurance-related uh, investments. Uh, we're early stage. We do uh, Series A is our sweet spot. We lead or co-lead deals, and we sit on boards. Um, we are very active hands on investors and we are business builders. There are some things that are just uh, that are going to be here for the long run. So cyber is a good one. Um, cyber risk is not going away. If anything, it's growing. Um, we think that the insurance uh, industry is incumbent favored, but the incumbents have to adopt to the changing world around them. So we see. Um, many insurance companies uh, trying to take advantage of what's happening with the technology and adapting their business models as fast as they can so that they can continue to lead and not fall behind. How, how, how is the team you know, constructed to try to achieve that goal and increase your, your returns to your investors? Well, you know, the first thing you have to do is evaluate a potential investment. And if you think that over a three-year period, we at some level, we saw about 1,500 deals, and we ended up investing in 12. Um, that's a really, really low uh, hit ratio as far as uh, writing checks. Given that InsurTech is so young, uh, relatively, um, there aren't necessarily a ton of people who have had successful exits before. So really, underwriting the, uh, the leadership and the founders is, is super important. And if, and if you think if there are four things that you want to look at, there's there's people, uh, can they can they sell, uh, can they raise money, and um, you know what is their technology? And, and notice the technology is number four on the list. It's not just a good idea; it's also uh, having an ability to articulate that that idea and get that idea into the market in front of the right people. 
We don't like to sell technology to insurance companies. Um, tech sales to insurance companies take a long time and burn up a lot of money. You know, if it's a pure tech, that's something that's uh, it's, it's sometimes very hard to, uh, to to be successful or you need really large amounts of cash to get it up and running. Does that mean that you're more sort of working with companies that, that are bringing new products to the marketplace, whether that's commercial customers or personal lines customers? So, you know, Buckle is a great example of a company that EOS has invested in. And Buckle is a company that has uh, a wonderful objective of helping uh, workers in the gig economy. And the the products that were out there for people who drive for Uber, Lyft, uh, DoorDash, et cetera, were really completely inappropriate and too expensive. And so not giving them good coverage and costing too much. You know, what's, what's wrong with that picture? Um, so that's a good example of, you know, completely innovating a space and ultimately turning that into a full stack insurer. So, uh, yes, there's technology there, but what it took was uh, a couple of founders who had a vision for creating the USAA for the gig economy. And, you know, that that sort of that business model of USAA and bringing it to another cohort that, that needed uh, some attention. Uh, are there particularly sort of creative revenue models that you're seeing? Well, I'd say that the really big idea for EOS Venture Partners is we intend to have a positive impact on the lives of half a billion people by closing the protection gap. And so that is the big, bold idea. Um, obviously, we have uh, financial metrics as well, but that's the, the big non-financial metric. And how that will happen is really in a variety of different ways. But for for many reasons, insurance has been uh, maybe not the right product and, and, and too expensive for, for many people. And we'd like to help make insurance uh, better, uh, more accessible, and affordable. It, it may be that people don't even realize they're getting insurance, um, that, that it's just, you know, transparent to them and being bundled in in some other way. Um, or maybe even described um, as something other than insurance, even though it is insurance. Um, any thoughts on that or any thoughts on sort of from a regulatory point of view? You know, one, one area that, that has been, there's been a lot of talk about, and, and there, I haven't seen a ton of successful implementations of this, is uh, parametric insurance. Is there great promise with parametric? Yes. Uh, does it have some regulatory hurdles? Yes, I think it does. Um, you know, this idea of risk transfer and uh, how does an insurance policy work? Uh, Indemnity-based cover is pretty straightforward. Uh, parametric can be less so. Um, I know uh, Jumpstart Recovery was able to get their product approved as insurance uh, in California, and I think that was primarily because the limits were very low and the payouts were like 25, 50,000 bucks. They just thought, well, that's that's okay. You know, if a, right. if you're in the red zone of an earthquake, you're probably going to have some problems. And if you affirm that you actually had loss or damage, um, that's all you need to do. But uh, on a grander scale, I think it might be more complicated, not just from a regulatory point of view, but also from a uh, you know a selling point of view. And it's if it takes 
too long to describe to people, you probably lost the sale. You know, sharp lines or, or soft lines, are there any particular objectives on amount of capital to be invested in the U.S. or the U.K. versus other parts of the world? Not at all. Not at all. And we actually, we work as one team. So uh, that's, I think, the best thing about it is um, it's not it's not an us and them. It's not a U.S. versus Europe. Um, we are all involved in everything that, that we do together as a team. And so in terms of, you know, going back to your your carrier partner LPs, you know, why why do they decide to participate with EOS? Anything beyond what you've already shared? Yeah, I mean, there is. Uh, if you're a CVC, um, and, and don't get me wrong, there are some very successful CVCs out there. there. There are quite a few of them. But depending on how they're structured, uh, it could cause some, uh, you know, conflicts or problems for the company that's seeking the investment. So, for instance, if, if you've accepted money from you know, let's say a large reinsurer, um, and then you're going to sell to one of their competitors, if they know that the other counterpart has invested in you, perhaps that might have an impact on their willingness to work with you. Right. That's just one example. Um, so I think that can be, that can complicate things. And for founders, I think that's something that they need to think about is who's giving you the money. And, you know, yes, they might be able to do a lot of good things that will help you, but what what are the potential negatives that might come with that kind of affiliation? In evaluating deals, are you looking for people coming from outside the industry who maybe have a fresh perspective on things? Are you looking for people who come from inside the industry who kind of know where the bodies are buried? And is there some magic combination of the two that leads to success? Or how do you think about you know the people piece? A, a very successful marriage is maybe some founders who have a really great idea. And then as the company matures, bringing in some mature insurance uh, talent uh, to pair up with the entrepreneurs to get the best of the imagination and creativity of the entrepreneurs and the best of the insurance professional's ability to to build and scale an insurance business, if that's the route you're going, if it's, if it's a full stack company. For folks who maybe still are in more traditional roles and they see this 10-year wave coming, mm -hmm. any insight from your own career that you might share with them as to how to think about it? I think people realize, um, and, and if you look at you know, InsureTech Connect, which we were at a few weeks ago, um, the first InsureTech Connect, it was lots of insurance companies and then a lot of um, maybe overconfident uh, InsureTech guys walking around. And, and here we are, whatever, five years later, and you've got a couple of billionaires walking around yeah. <laughs> who have had very successful exits with their InsureTechs. And uh, and the insurance companies aren't sponsoring everything. It's the insurtechs. Yeah. So you know, there's been a big swing of 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 sort of uh, energy and power. That's not bad. I mean, I think it's a good thing, and I think it'll continue to move like that. Yeah, there's definitely a whole sort of middle middle class of insurtechs that didn't exist before, right? Um, yeah. It's not just the startups and the incumbents. There's this group that. You know, some of them had these billion dollar exits or some of them are on a series C or series D and on a nice path yep. or even some folks who are, you know, 
some private equity, sort of middle market private equity in that stage of company. So it's interesting. You know, and in some senior executives from insurance companies have left their, you know, their their sort of cozy perch in the insurance world and joined some of these tech, insurance technology companies, which yeah. I think it, it sends a pretty big signal to people that things are changing. All right, great. Well, I think we've run over a little bit, but again, Bill, really appreciate your time. It's Bill Keogh. He is the Chief Operating Officer and an Operating Partner of EOS Venture Partners. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Josh. Take care.